Welcome back. Maybe your plans for the long weekend are to stay inside, curl up on the couch, and watch a movie. Uh, yeah, as always, joining us now with suggestions on what to watch is Andy Farnsworth of KSL News Radio and the KSL Fan Effect Podcast. Andy? He went to the above world. A man was drowning. I had to save him. It's Memorial Day weekend, and, well, Disney wants to own the box office. So the studio has rolled out its biggest metaphorical guns with the latest live-action remake of an animated classic, The Little Mermaid. Yes, the film that's widely acknowledged to have started the renaissance at Disney Animation with its release in 1989 finally gets the live-action treatment, and honestly... Your reaction to it may depend on how you feel about live-action remakes in the first place. In this new version of Hans Christian Andersen's classic tale, young mermaid Ariel is played by Halle Bailey, who in real life is half of the pop group Chloe and Halle. Ariel's the daughter of King Triton, played here by Javier Bardem, but she's not exactly the type of daughter who regularly obeys and follows the rules, especially his biggest rule about people avoiding contact with the surface dwellers. Ariel likes to collect human trinkets that fall into the ocean, and she'd really like to go and see what it's like up on land. When she saves the life of a prince who falls into the ocean during a shipwreck, she's smitten and seeks out the help of Ursula the Sea Witch, played here by Melissa McCarthy, in order to find a way to be with the humans. Look, I'm going to assume most of you who want to see this movie already know the basic story from the animated version, and this new remake follows the main core story faithfully enough. There are tweaks to the story, including changing some of the things about Prince Eric's hopes and his family's situation, Ursula's motivations, extra significance to Ariel's singing voice, and adding several new songs, some of which were written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Look, I'll just say it. I actually enjoyed this remake. Halle Bailey really impressed me with her singing voice and her smile and charm. I thought the tweaks to the story and some of the things about the characters and situations were in line with today's sensibilities without necessarily being a distraction, at least for me. David Diggs and Aquafina were good as Sebastian the Crab and Scuttle the Bird. Flounder wasn't all puffed up like in the cartoon, but I think that would have looked weird. On the other hand, some of the stuff didn't work as well in live action as it does in the cartoon and kind of removes a layer of fantasy and imagination. And fair warning, it's one thing to see a cartoon shark chase a mermaid and fish, and it's something else when the shark legit looks like Jaws. That scene, plus the big confrontation with Ursula at the end, could be a bit intense for the youngest viewers, especially in a dark theater on a giant movie screen. It's not a deal breaker or anything, but... It's just a heads up for parents. Also, the two-hour runtime may feel a little longer after being used to the 90-minute cartoon movie. Overall, though, The Little Mermaid will please the young viewers that it's aimed at. I give it three out of four stars. If you dislike all the Disney live-action remakes, just remember the animated version of the movie still exists, and you can always watch that. The Little Mermaid is rated PG and is only in theaters. Up next, a new comedy movie that shockingly doesn't try to shock you into laughing by doing something overly crass or gross. About My Father stars comedian Sebastian Maniscalco, who also co-wrote the script. He plays a fictionalized version of himself, a hotel manager in Chicago, dating an artist named Ellie, played by Leslie Bibb, whose father is a wealthy hotel magnet and whose mother is a senator. Sebastian's planning on a surprise proposal to Ellie over the 4th of July weekend while the two of them are staying at Ellie's family's home. 
But his first-generation Italian immigrant father, Salvo, played by Robert De Niro, insists he won't give Sebastian the family heirloom wedding ring unless he can meet Ellie's parents, played by David Rash and Kim Cattrall, to see what kind of family Sebastian will be joining. What follows is a mixture of meet the parents with a little of father of the bride and wedding crashers mixed together. Of course, there are plenty of fish-out-of-water scenes with the solidly working-class Maniscalcos trying to mingle with the ultra-rich people. De Niro's character is a hairdresser, which is hilarious in and of itself. This is his and Sebastian's pre-bedtime cologne routine. But what I really liked about the movie was that it just didn't stoop to the cheap, vulgar gags that so many comedies use to try and get laughs these days. Is this original? Not so much. But that didn't bother me because I also thought there was a really solid message about the importance of family, even with all the messiness and frustration that being part of a family often entails. About My Father is rated PG-13 for a moment of backside nudity involving a swimsuit mishap and a bit of language. This is a two-and-a-half to three-star movie for me, and it's one families with tweens, teens, and older kids can feel comfortable watching together about my father is only in theaters also in theaters another comedy movie that's also about families though this one is decidedly more adult you hurt my feelings premiered at the sundance film festival this year and it stars julia louis dreyfus as beth an author who teaches writing classes while she finishes her second book which she's struggling to get her publisher excited about her husband don played by tobias menzies is a therapist who's also struggling to feel like he's making a difference with his patients including one particular couple who want to sue him for not helping them enough but their relationship is and always has been rock solid. That is, until one day when Beth accidentally overhears her husband give his honest reaction to her latest book, which he did not like, despite having told her many times how good it was. The rest of the movie explores how knowing this truth affects Beth's confidence, her trust in her husband, and her outlook in life in general. Most of the humor in You Hurt My Feelings comes from the very real scenarios that many adults will relate to, including how we get so upset when someone lies to us, even if it's to spare our feelings or to try and build us up, but then we turn around and do the same thing to someone else for the exact same reasons. The cast is great, though with all the other big movies and theaters right now, this one will probably get lost in the shuffle. I give You Hurt My Feelings three stars out of four. It's rated R for language and is only in theaters. Now, we turn to streaming for our final big item of the week, the first time Arnold Schwarzenegger's ever starred in a TV series. It's called FUBAR, which is a military acronym for... Uh, let's go with fouled up beyond all recognition. But make no mistake, this show is True Lies, the sequel. Yes, I know there's a series on Paramount that's actually called True Lies, but FUBAR is definitely the spiritual successor to the 1994 James Cameron movie, even if it's not the official sequel. Schwarzenegger plays Luke Brunner, a longtime CIA undercover agent. He's super cool and skilled, taking out bad guys just like you'd expect Arnold to do. His family, of course, has no idea that he's a spy. His ex-wife and grown children all think he's a harmless fitness equipment salesman just as he has been for the past 25 to 30 years but when he's sent on one particular mission he finds out that his favorite daughter emma played by monica barbaro is also a cia agent with a similar set of skills to his own and she finds out that her dad has been a spy all along ostensibly this show is about the parent-child relationships and how it can be difficult for each side to see the other as an adult in their own right not just as a parent or child fubar leans on the comedy side of all of this setup every bit as much as it leans on the action. In fact, that both helps and hurts the series overall. It's too serious at times for some of the goofiness that happens, and it's too silly at times for some of the heavy, dangerous, and violent moments that take place. 
When it's funny, though, it is funny. And Monica Barbaro is quickly becoming one of my favorite actresses to watch. Arnold is Arnold. For better or worse, he's doing what he does best, cracking heads and cracking one-liners. But the supporting cast is solid, and that helps elevate the series a little bit more than it would otherwise. FUBAR is rated TVMA for language and violence, and all eight episodes are available to stream on Netflix. Now for our honorable mention list, things we didn't have time enough for more detail that are coming out this week. First up, a new action thriller from actor Gerard Butler called Kandahar. Butler plays an undercover CIA agent operative deep in hostile territory in Afghanistan. When his cover's blown by an intelligence leak, he has just 30 hours to try and fight his way out of the country while protecting his Afghan translator so the two can make their way to the extraction point in, you guessed it, based on the title of the movie, Kandahar. It's rated R and in theaters. On streaming, you have a new comedy series on Apple TV Plus called Platonic, and it reunites the couple from the Neighbors movies, Rose Byrne and Seth Rogen. It's the story of Sylvia, played by Byrne, a wife and stay-at-home mom of three kids who reconnects with her former best friend, Will, played by Rogen. Will's newly divorced, and after an awkward pity reunion, suddenly the two of them are spending all their time together and bringing out the worst in each other, which destabilizes both of their lives. I only saw the first three episodes, and it was a little too crass for my tastes. So if this interests you, Platonic is rated TVMA, and the first three episodes are on Apple TV+. Finally, another crass comedy is available in theaters this weekend based on the stand-up routine of Burt Kreischer. He plays a fictionalized version of himself who gets kidnapped along with his father, played by Mark Hamill. You see, Russian mobsters are looking for revenge for some stuff Burt did 20 years ago while he was drunk on a college semester abroad in Russia. They did not screen this for critics, so if this looks funny to you, have at it. It's rated R for just about everything, and it is only in theaters. Looking ahead to next week... It's a return to the Spider-Verse with Sony Animation and everyone's favorite friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Dan, Shara? Which, with all the great Spider-Man movies out there, Spider-Verse, my kids might like that the best. Really? I mean, it's really? so good. Oh, that's good. It suggests you haven't seen it. I have not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, really, this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, the Post Malone theme song, you know? The, you know? I can't remember. Watch Spider-Verse. <laughs> Into the Spider-Verse <laughs> is great. I can't remember. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I have. I don't know. I've been <laughs> dragged to so many things. I don't know. You don't- Now that you've heard Andy's quick take on the new live-action Little Mermaid, it's time for confessed Disney and mermaid fan, me, producer Kellyanne, to dive into my review. The animated version of The Little Mermaid was one of the first movies I remember seeing as a child. And I must admit that I've never grown out of my mermaid stage. I regularly participate in creative challenges like Mermaid or Mermaid Monday. Look it up. It's really fun and cool. Um, And I even cosplayed Ariel at Fanex and bounded the character at Disneyland. Oh, and Hans Christian Andersen, the original writer of The Little Mermaid uh, fairy tale, is also one of my favorite authors of all time. (laughs) So I'm entering this critical conversation, uh, much more of a fan than my co-host or other cohorts, which is also what makes fan effect fun is I get to do that. Overall, my opinion, I loved it. This new live action, or should I say CGI, full, Little Mermaid is a magical and meaningful remake for the next generation. I took three of my nieces to the screening, and the only thing that made it better was these tweens' squeals of delight as the story we all grew up and loved splashed across the big screen in all its colorful glory. 
Just as the 1989 Disney animated movie was an update of the original 1837 Hans Christian Andersen tale with more modern sensibilities woven into the account, this 2023 update holds to that same theme. And no, I don't mean they go overboard with woke themes, but the character and the background development explores greater themes of love, longing, and belonging than the cartoon even does. If you're a listener of this show or a reader of my sporadic reviews on kslnewsradio.com, you will know I love to read the book before I see the movie and also see other versions of it to see how it's developed. While I was raised on the animated movie, I also love the book and I've done the Disney musical and I've explored many other versions of The Little Mermaid, including others in modern media and Once on This Island, uh, a musical When you change the media of the story, you're bound to change the message as you're reaching out to different audiences and dealing with different constraints. Uh, This remake did a wonderful job of adding upon the messages of earlier tellings and expanding the adventure. Long gone are criticisms of a girl having to lose her voice to find her place among men, of love at first sight without insight into the person's personality, and even the damsel in distress needing a man to save her. Instead, the beautiful music, scenery, and script is added upon with thoughtful and entertaining scenes and songs. Seriously, I love the new songs of this film, which match the tone of the Disney animated movie much better than some other remakes Disney has been doing lately. (laughs) Two new songs really added to the development of the main lovers, including a song that Eric gets to sing and another one exploring the first of Ariel's life on land. This updated version of Alan Minken's music was done with carefulness and playfulness. Seriously, Halle Bailey as Ariel lives up to Jody Benson's voice. And as Alan Minken returns to compose the songs in this film, alongside Lin-Manuel Miranda, the music was a sweeping homage to the Caribbean vibrancy and Minken's legacy of the original film. The writers and producers pull extra points from the Hans Christian Andersen tale, thankfully not the ending, (laughs) as well as things that have remained on the cutting floor of the 1989 version, making the writing and the music my absolute favorite part. Both our leads, Halle Bailey and Jonah Howard King as Eric, added warmth and approachability rare for royals with their characters, with an answering chemistry worthy of naive young love and a matched passion for life. The supporting cast of characters also deserve accolades, particularly Aquafina as the new female version of the clumsy know-it-all seagull scuttle, David Diggs as the frazzled Sebastian, and the royal queen Noma Dimzimwini as Eric's adopted mother, the queen. While Melissa McCarthy's somewhat carbon-copied version of Ursula was okay, Javier Bardem's King Triton added more fatherly warmth to the character, and I loved the diverse cast of Murr sisters. Even wish we saw them more. And believe me, when I say it does make sense that they are different races as they represent different seas of the world. The harder thing to overcome in the remake is the uncanny valley of the CGI graphics, Flounder in particularly. (laughs) Um, The realistic portrayals of the sea animals kind of made it a little bit hard because we just haven't got there technology-wise. But we have to look past those shortcomings to the wider story. And you know what? The crab-generated eyes, who knew that they could portray so much? Like, seriously. We'll have to put these imperfections aside until we can film real mer actors in mer waters. 
It's also important to note that the cinematic action scenes do look more realistic, and some younger audience might find these scenes a bit too much. It is rated PG for action, peril, and some scary images, so maybe not a toddler film. Overall, families, Disney fanatics, and literary scholars will love this new Little Mermaid. Go be part of that world. And I would suggest doing so on the big screen. I give the film two fins up and an A-minus rating, at least in my fan-based and fan-biased opinion. I want to thank the Megaplex Theaters, the best movie-going experience in Utah, for sponsoring our podcast, and KSLTV for letting us post Andy's What to Watch on our podcast each week. I hope we've helped you figure out what to watch this weekend and that you have a wonderful time on and off your screens this weekend. Bye! Hey, thanks for watching. I hope you and your family found this review helpful, and I invite you to check out my other in-depth reviews of movies and streaming TV shows on kslTV.com. I'll see you there.